This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton back with you, and we're on the Zoom call again today. And very happy to have with us Gail Rainey. Um, has your title changed? We were talking about your new, some of your new responsibilities. I forgot to ask you that. We got so busy talking. Uh, well, slightly. Uh, my role is still very similar to what it's been over the years. I'm still helping uh, with substance abuse treatment and prevention services at Rosecrans all across uh, central Illinois. There you go. Um, that, that covers it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but Gail was telling me you're actually going to be focusing a lot more on grant writing. And I think that's so important. I want to take a real uh, quick moment here at the start to talk about that. You've always been uh, over everything, over the programming, over the staffing. Um, and now you're going to really focus on grant writing, grant reporting, because that's become such a big deal for all social service organizations, correct? Definitely. And it's not, my role isn't only the grant piece of it, it's all of our special contracts. There's every kind of contract under the sun right now. Um, it just depends on uh, if it's a federal contract or a state contract and what it looks like and even local contracts. And what's happening is because the funding streams um, for social services in general, but also for what we do um, in behavioral health, it's such a mixed bag of funding streams that uh, we really need to be able to focus not just on uh, the billing part of it when you can bill Medicaid or you can bill um, a, an insurance company, but also there are a lot of things we do that are not billable services. And how do we cover all of those things so that we can continue to offer and grow the quality services that we have? And that's really the, the thrust of it is trying to make sure that we are filling the gaps in services because we know there are gaps in the system. Um, and then also being able to continue to provide the services that we currently um, and traditionally have provided that we know work for, for people in our area. And well, so- I was gonna say the, you know, going back to 20 years to when it was Prairie Center, uh, when I was on the board, so long ago, um, that was a constant state of concern. How do we fund these programs? Because at that time, the focus more than anything was alcohol abuse. Um, it was the leading issue that Prairie Center focused on. As I've said many times in all my board meetings, we very rarely talked about drugs, to be honest. We were mostly talking about alcohol issues. But as that changed over the years and drugs became more and more of the focus of what Prairie Center was looking at and trying to help people with, um, that's not something you just fix with a snap of a button. This is a big deal. So when it changed over to uh, to be part of Rosecrans, that kind of gave it a foundation, I thought, uh, a little bit more steady funding. But the reality is, it's still a mess. We, <laughs> we, we run around saying we've got to fix the drug problem, but we don't really want to pay for it. So it's a constant challenge. And, and those grants and contracts that you have are critically important to continue to provide services. Definitely. And uh, substance use is such, a, and the treatment part of it, it's, it's such a complex issue. And it's not just 
if you want to say it that way, the use of the substance. There are so many other pieces um, and there are reasons why people are using the substances and uh, there's all, all types of reasons and some of it is lack of resources, lack of availability or their ability to get to the available resources. Um, and so when we're looking at the at these things, we're also looking at um, are there other services that this person needs and not that Rosecrans would be the provider necessarily of these services, but how do we collaborate with all of the other partners in the area and um, what does that look like? And that's what a lot of the grants are looking for, honestly, is a lot of collaboration in the different communities you serve and trying to figure out what resources are there already and then how do we bolster um, and add, and or add to the resources that are already there. Well, and that whole funding question then is even more aggravating. I mean, poor Jim Russell from the Mental Health 708 Board, I think he's ripped every hair out of his head trying to deal with that because the state looks at things in such a bizarre way. So while it would make sense if somebody is a substance abuser, if somebody is struggling with drugs, there are other things going on. There are dual diagnoses on that. There's probably some mental health issues. There may even be some physical health issues. There are things that need to be covered and discussed and worked on as a whole, but the state won't, in the past, would never pay for that. So everything had to be done singularly and separate, and it was a nightmare. So again, we've always made this much harder than what it needed to be. Common sense just tells you, you fix the whole person. You don't just pick something and work on that. Yeah, and the systems and the regulations for the systems are each different and that makes it a little challenging. Exactly. Or, or a lot challenging sometimes um, to be able to accomplish. And you're right, we're, we're we're here to serve the person. We're here to serve the whole person. And so making sure that we don't let the system barriers get in our way um, is really important. And again, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of collaboration with other providers um, of, of medical services, of mental health services, and or a lot of internal coordination um, because the systems are still there um, and they are separate right now in Illinois. Um, but it's a, it's really important to be able to coordinate that care and be able to wrap all of the different services around that person. So let's get a bit of an update, Gail, on what's going on here in Vermilion County, what you as an agency dealing with folks who are struggling with addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or both. Um, what are you seeing every day as folks are coming in and asking for help? And are they coming in and asking for help? That's a great question. Um, so two pieces. Um, first of all, we're, we are continuing to see um, meth is our number one uh, diagnosis um, that we continue and drug of choice that we're seeing. Most of the people that are coming in our door, though, are using more than one drug. Um, and so we have... Uh, we, we keep the statistics on what drugs are they using. Um, and so meth is the most common, but then we also have a close second is alcohol and then cannabis and uh, 
the fourth is opioids. Um, part of also what we're seeing too is a lot of the clients, uh, we do drug testing to try to, first of all, make sure that the care that we're providing is appropriate for them. Um, but then also uh, to try to help the, the person to be accountable as they continue to work towards not using. And uh, as we're doing the drug testing, a lot of times the clients will be honest with us and say like, yeah, I already know it's going to show whatever. And uh, especially with the, with meth, they're also um, often surprised when the result comes back and, and it's uh, positive for, for something else. A lot of times that, that is uh, a synthetic opioid or um, like such as fentanyl. Um, we're seeing a lot of fentanyl being mixed in with things right now, um, which is, it's always been dangerous, but it's incredibly dangerous. Um, fentanyl. Well, even fentanyl has changed, right? It's even more, it's even stronger now and, and uglier than it was when it first started popping up. Is that true? It, yes. And, and, and they're finding different ways um, to, to make it and to distribute it as well. And so that's part of um, part of the concern. The the clients are reporting that they think they know what they're using, but when we're doing the drug testing, they really don't always know what what they are actually using. And and that that in it, in and of itself can be very dangerous. Well, and I think that's one of the things that makes this all so concerning. You know, we 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 talk all the time about gee, just don't do drugs, um, and we really think people shouldn't do drugs, and blah 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 blah. Um, but the reality is people use because they feel the need to do it. We're not going to the root cause and trying to figure that out because it's too complicated. So instead we just, you know, we just bust people and lock them up and think that's going to solve a problem, which it doesn't under any circumstances. Um, but, but the thing with, with today's drug world seems to be, um, the depth and breadth of the, the change in the drugs themselves and what people are getting into their systems. And it literally has become a situation where one hit and you're probably hooked and getting off of it is going to be a real challenge. All that said, we got to go to break before you <laughs> respond. But we will talk more about that with Gail in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning with Gail Rainey, who heads up Rosecrans locally, uh, one of the drivers in trying to help us deal with substance abuse of every sort. Because as human beings, we seem to be subject to addiction, whatever it is. I don't care if it's a giant slushy or a, <laughs> or a cigarette or it's meth. We, we, we get hooked easily. So let's talk for a minute, Gail, uh, about, as I, as I had told you prior to going on air, I saw a really, really good report uh, the other night. I don't know, who, I can't even remember who did it, but it was really well done, talking about meth and the many, many ways that meth has changed over the years. You know, it used to be 20 years ago, uh, people had little meth factories in their backyard and you know, uh, uh, God love Meg, they were out there busting every one of them and hoping they didn't get exposed to a, the meth itself or an explosion or whatever. And it was kind of a, 
oh, I don't know. It was just, it was a drug, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't high profile drug. It was meth. Now it's really taken control uh, of the um, addictive, uh, addicted community. Uh, folks seem, because it's so powerful, it's cheap now. Well, it was always cheap, but now it's really cheap. Really easy to make, easy to put stuff in, much stronger and much more impactful than it used to be. And so literally you can take a hit of meth and you're going down a road that's going to turn really dark really fast. Is that a fair statement? I, I think so. And I think the, the other part that people, some people don't realize is that um, the effect of meth doesn't actually doesn't last very long. Um, and so what happens is it, it stays in your system, but the effects that you get don't don't Hi. necessarily last for as long as some people would like. And so that leads to ingesting or taking multiple doses at a time as well. And, and so that also um, can really, the effects of meth on the physical body uh, is, is so extreme. Um, and also can can also lead to some psychoses as well. Um, the heavy meth use and constant meth use can can definitely impact the brain. Um, a lot of hallucinations, paranoia, um, even after people have stopped using, uh, we'll see that in treatment often um, and trying to help people through that. And also trying to determine, uh, is it a mental health issue? Is it is it a, an act, actual psychosis or is it a meth-induced psychosis? And so um, teasing that out is very difficult and it just takes time um, to try to figure out how long is this going to last. And uh, it, it's a very difficult um, piece that comes with it. The other part too is uh, it, it just, it's devastating for your heart. Um, because when you take meth, it increases your heart rate, um, increases your rapid breathing, um, elevates your body temperature, all of those pieces. And so um, use and ongoing use obviously can can negatively impact all of the those parts of your, your body and some of your major organs as well. Um, and then you've got, um, you have also the anxiety and depression um, that often comes uh, with use. Um, because meth also keeps people up, it, that's the reason that a lot of people use it, honestly, is because it gives them extra energy and uh, they can stay awake for long periods of time. But with that also becomes um, often they don't eat. Um, and so you have extreme weight loss and all of the things that go with not eating properly. I think it's been highly publicized. And uh, remember several years ago where there were posters and photos out there about all of the um, physical changes that you can see with Matthews as far as the, the impact it has on dental problems and your teeth and gums. Um, you can see that it in a photo, um, the impact that it has on your skin. And uh, because oftentimes uh, meth users have an itching sensation, um, even though there's not necessarily anything there to itch. or And so they act and actually end up scratching themselves because they have that sensation. And so that's another piece that leads to 
leads to different sores and scars. So there are a lot of devastating things that come with meth use. Um, and and it, can, it definitely it, um, takes a negative impact on that person's life. Well, one of the things that you mentioned that uh, we really don't talk probably enough about is the fact that it's so strong now. Uh, it gives you such an incredible high. Um, we're human beings. We, we, we you know, uh, and, and, and a feeling like that that takes you to a different level and makes you feel so good top to bottom. We want more of it. But as you said, the lasting of the, the effects of it don't last that long. So you get really high really quick and then you're down. So it's this constant need that that feeds you, you know, that you have to feed in order to maintain that feeling of good, quote unquote, that you you think you have. Correct. And that's part of that has to do with how they're making it now and the, and the fentanyl, the other things that are in, added in there. Definitely. And, and then the other piece, too, is um, even when someone really has a desire to quit using, um, just having the desire isn't the only part that's going to do it for most people. Um, and so it's getting that additional support, um, going to treatment so that you you have someone that can help you through this all of the pieces that are involved. But then uh, some people do, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of research out there um, that shows that the the brain um, is impacted so much by meth use that it takes it can take up to a year before the brain can actually um, heal from the use of meth. If even once the person has stopped using um, for a year or more, um, it's actually taking that long for to see the brain um, heal from the use of meth. Um, and like I said, um, some of those ongoing psychoses. Um, and people end up having having some issues with that as well, um, even after they've stopped using. So that's that can be devastating to a person when they they have decided to make a change in their lives and they've decided that they do not want to use any longer. But the struggle to stop using is very real, um, and the relapse rate is very high, honestly, for meth users um, because of that. Uh, it, it's not an easy battle um, for them to fight. And I, I call it that because it really is uh, your body and your brain are working against you, quite frankly, um, yeah. especially in the, the early months um, of, of your of treatment and of your sobriety. And it's very difficult, um, not to mention all of the other things that might trigger your use. And um, so helping clients through that. Um, we do. Uh, people who use meth are often with us much longer in treatment um, because of all these reasons. Absolutely. It is It is not an easy thing to, to turn away from. It can be done. Absolutely. But boy, ma maintaining that commitment, you you really have to admire folks who are willing to make that step to, to change their lives. We're going to come back and talk more with Gail in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. 
Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning with Gail Rainey, who heads up uh, Rosecrans locally in uh, the East Central Illinois area. She's been with the organization since it was Prairie Center. We go way back. <laughs> We've known each other a long time. We're talking a little bit uh, today about uh, not only the status of drug use here in Vermilion County, but certainly meth. And it's a, a real true danger that that is, is coming with that now uh, and how it's made and how accessible it is. So, Gail, overall, how are we doing in this battle? Um, you know, are we making any progress? I mean, you still have a pretty heavy client list. You have a lot of people out there that need help. There's a whole lot that haven't asked for help because they're still riding the ride. Uh, how's, how's that look overall? Wow. Um, <laughs> I think the the piece that that is, po- is definitely a positive is when people do um, reach out for help, we're here. We're here to help them and and the research shows that treatment does work and that we can help people. Um, we help connect people to other resources as well because like we were talking about earlier, it's such a complex um, disease that we're, we're working with. Um, the, the other piece of it though is, uh, I have to be honest, I think our some of our societal norms are impacting and changing yes. um, what people consider um, to be a something that you need to go to treatment for and also that that mixed with the the potency of some of the or most of the drugs that are out there now um it's kind of a double whammy um on people who are using because people aren't necessarily seeing that they have a problem until they're very their disease is very acute and we are getting people um coming in for treatment that are honestly uh the disease has progressed much further than in the past you were talking about when we first met and we were which is so many years ago it is Um, i hate to admit it sometimes but i know me too but it's reality Um, but um, we've just seen that again. You, yes, you can you can get addicted so much quicker um, because of the potency of the the drugs that are out there now. But also, um, our societal norms are very different when it comes to the use of drugs um, right now, and I, I see them continuing to change. Well, well, let's have a conversation about the busy parking lot out at Sunnyside, so, <laughs> and, which is never empty. <laughs> but I mean, it's a reality now, and, and that does yes. change the face of this. Mm-hmm. It, it really does, because uh, when when we first met, I, I would have said that, you know, um, a, a teenager, let's say, who was caught using marijuana, um, Back then, uh, people were would have been up in arms and very concerned, yeah. and they would have sent them to, and to treatment right away, um, and tried to get help for that person right away. Uh, now, um, it it it's a little bit uh, use is more pervasive. I I would venture to say the pandemic hasn't helped any um, with any of that because uh, people are finding ways to. Um, they're more isolated. 
they're using their time differently. Um, so use in general um, has increased over the pandemic. And so all of these pieces swirling around us actually um, unfortunately make it a perfect storm. Um, and uh, we're, we're here, we're here to help. Uh, but the, the piece of it is um, reaching out and um, understanding when someone is struggling and, and helping them get help. Well, the thing is, it's, you know, not judging anybody, just saying it's pretty hypocritical when we as a state say, sure, go buy cannabis because we're going to make some good money off of that and then run around going, oh, my God, we've got a, a drug problem. It's a gateway drug and we know that. So um, you can have those debates. But the reality is, again, our values have changed. What we think is an acceptable norm has changed. And you're right. It also impacts how we approach this issue as a community. I don't even think we know as a community how to approach it. And like I said, uh, we're human beings and, and we like to feel good. Uh, and, and meth will make me feel good. But the toll it takes is pretty, pretty serious. So uh, we have to understand that. So let's talk before we have to get out of here. We only got about a minute or so left. Let's talk about what people should do. Uh, how quickly should you reach out for help? Um, does it have to be that individual? Should should friends and family reach out? Tell me about that. It can actually be anyone um, reaching out for help. You can get more information um, simply by calling. We have an 800 number um, and 866-330-8729. Locally, uh, 217-477-4500. Uh, you can also do it online through our website, rosecrantz.org. Uh, there are multiple ways to reach out. Uh, some of the confidentiality rules in Illinois and federally, um, we do at some point need to speak directly with the person um, who's, have, who's struggling and, and having some issues. But we, we're here to help the family as well and to try to help guide them or loved ones, um, anyone who who has someone that they're concerned about. Well, and say somebody takes a hit of meth and it feels really good and they really like it, but all of a sudden they get scared. Um, they, can, they can call and ask questions and figure out if they should continue this behavior or not, correct? Uh, definitely. And we also have prevention staff as well out in the schools in Vermilion County, um, helping students um, learn more about some of uh, just decision-making skills and some of the social skills that are involved so that hopefully when they do get approached, um, they're able to make a, a more informed decision and understanding the impact that some of their decisions might have on them. Gail, thanks for what you do every day. I know it's not an easy job. Appreciate what you and your staff do to help people. This is a, this is a big issue in our community and every community in the country. And we have to start facing it and figuring out what we're going to do. Good to talk to you. We will talk again soon. Thank you. Take Thank care. you so much, Linda. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Um, have a safe weekend. Please wear your masks. The numbers are ugly out there. And if you don't think they are, ask uh, Doug Toole and Melissa Rome. Um, join us on Monday. We'll be on the Zoom call. We will be talking to uh, Chief Justice's author, Dan Cotter. Love to talk to Dan. We've got so much to talk about. So make sure you tune in on Monday at 7.30 for Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton.
Danville's talk station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.